So I'm back. Sorry I ever left you. I had to move house. And anyone who's ever done that knows that that's a huge pain in the ass. I think that's always on like, uh, I don't know if this is, if that's actually true, but we used to, I used to work for moving companies and they always used to say like, oh yeah, you know, you know, they always say the three most stressful things you'll ever do in your life is uh, move house, have kids and get married. I don't know if that's actually true or maybe just get divorced. I don't know. I don't know what anyway. I'm not sure if that's actually true because moving house isn't, it can be stressful, but I think the main thing is just like, well, I mean, for me, it's like trying to just not gather shit, like not cl- like gather up a, a bunch of shit that is, is useful. I have the hardest time. I'm a hoarder. Like I always say, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't need that right now, but I could definitely see a time where I might use that. So, like, maybe I'll just keep this sewing kit and like, oh, and then, oh, yeah, I mean, I I probably need at least two bike pumps because what if one of the bike pumps breaks? And I know I don't have a bike right now, but. I could get a bike, and then I'd want a bike pump, so, oh, and just, you know, so just, like, trying to keep a track of, <coughs> excuse me, trying to keep a track of not gathering a bunch of shit, and I always like to be able to pack my shit into two bags, two big bags, because the, the bus from uh, England to the Ireland will give you two free bags, so you can sneak a couple on extra, but I try and try and limit the amount of shit that I actually carry with me for two bags. But anyway, yeah, uh, <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> that's how you know it was real weed. So the, uh, yeah, just, to, just the stress of moving and doing all that stuff and getting caught up in all the, all the arrangements and whatnot. I took a break from, uh, from putting the podcast on and, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, my first episodes, I didn't, uh, I was expecting at least a hundred thousand downloads and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where you guys are, but, you know, get your shit together. But anyway, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, f- I was looking at the news and I found this crazy, cra- I was watching Vice and they were talking about how Namibia, I don't know if it's the government of Namibia or just people in Namibia, are using a law in America to sue the German government for reparations for the genocide in Namibia in at the be- at the beginning of the 20th century and again you know i'm always a bit amazed that i'm like when i hear these things i'm like oh shit <laughs> i better not tell anyone cuz everybody knew about this and i and i'm just a fucking <coughs> i'm just being an idiot and i had no idea that you know, Germany had an African colony, and I, I knew that they were involved in Africa, I know that that was a part of World War Two, and, and I guess also a part of World War One that there was fighting in Africa, but I had no idea that there was a, there was this genocide, and, and it, it's crazy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some stuff, and just go through it a bit, because I read through it yesterday, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy, man, and I, and I was just fascinated because, like I said, it was on Vice and they had interviews with people on the street. And I mean, I'll get to that in a little bit. But like, just to give you like the back, the sort of the main background. So there was it seems like in in the at the turn of the century, you got a you got a bunch of German. You got German colonies down in, in Africa and uh, you've got a bunch of different um, what, do you, what do you call them? Uh, ethnic groups around the place, a bunch of different tribes, 
and there are these two tribes in particular called the Herero and the Nama. And these guys are cattle herders and uh, traders. They were living in Namibia. But I don't know, I don't think it was actually called, yeah, presently modern Namibia, but it was in uh, a region of southwest Africa. So these guys were under German control and didn't sound like it was like great, obviously, you know, being under anyone's control, but like they, so they rebelled, these two groups, they had two rebellions. So let's see, there we go. And uh, and these guys were like, basically the German leader was like, okay, bro, you want to rebel? Like, you want to fucking, you want to kick up shit? Like, you want to you wanna mess around? You're like, all right, bro, I'll show you what's cracking, bro. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fuck you guys up. You, you used to be German citizens, no more. And he fucking, he declared, he sent out a declaration to the German soldiers. He said, I'll read it to you. So he said, this guy is called General Trotha. Issued a warning to the Herero on October 2nd. This is 1904, I think. So I, the great general of the German soldiers, send this letter to the Herero. The Herero are German subjects no longer. They have killed, stolen, cut off the ears and other parts of the of the body of wounded soldiers and now are too cowardly to want to fight any longer. I announce to the people that whoever hands me one of the chiefs shall receive 1,000 marks and 5,000 marks for Samuel Maherero, who I believe is the leader of the Herreros. The Herero nation must now leave the country. If it refuses, I shall compel it to do so with the long tube, in brackets, cannon, any Herrero found inside the German frontier with or without, cattle, without, with or without a gun or cattle will be executed. I shall spare neither women nor children. I shall give them the order to drive them away and fire on them. Such are my words to the Herrero people. So you're like, oh damn, this fool's like, yo, I'm telling you, fuck the kids, fuck the women. I mean, he's German too, so he's not gonna, he, you know, I don't, I don't even gotta go, fuck the kids fuck the women anyway so he, he's like yo murk these fools so but now <laughs> he says he says he says some crazy shit bro so i mean you know it's funny like germans seems for the longest time and it might have been a, i'm not gonna say i'm not putting this solely on the germans because they just are like they're the poster boys for like ethnic cleansing for sureies if there was an ethnic cleansing Olympics, I mean, they would just sweep sweep the medals. I mean, year in, year out. I don't know how long something like that could go on for, but, I mean, they would, they'd show up. Um, but these these guys, so they said, the Trotha gave orders that captured Herrero males were to be executed, while women and children were to be driven into the desert where their death from starvation and thirst was to be certain. Trotha argued that there was no need to make exceptions for the Herrero women and children, since those would infect German troops with their diseases. The insurrection, Trotha explained, is and remains the beginning of a racial struggle. Regardless, German soldiers regularly raped young Herrero women before killing them or letting them die in the desert. After the war, Trotha argued that his orders were necessary, writing in 1909 
that if I had made the w- small water holes accessible to the women folk, I would run the risk of an African ca- catastrophe compared to the Battle of Berezonia, which I don't know what that is, and I looked onto the other page of that, and it's something to do with Napoleon, so I don't, uh, you know, it's not another race thing. Or it might have been another race thing, but at any rate, I won't go there. But um, the the German, blah, 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 wait, so, yeah, so they've got, and then it's like, so th- the thing that was was is weird about this is that the German government isn't like, to this day, they're not like, not nah, like that's not we're not responsible for that they've openly admitted responsibility but they they're just like oh no we're not paying you any money but they have germany has given more money in aid to namibia than uh, per capita than any other country so it's like it's almost like they are t- they've they've ex- they've said yeah okay you did something bad and like th- it's weird because it would be like if you like Let's say you came in, let's say you you broke into someone's house, you killed their children, and then you stole their house, and then, you, let's say, you know, 10 years later, you rent, you rented that house back to the, to the man who lived there, whose child you killed, and whose house you stole. You rent him back that house, and then he goes, all right, listen, man, I, I, I admit it, I killed your wife killed your kid i stole your house and i'm I'm gonna help you out man i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna help you out with the rent and i know i did i did those things but i'm not like financially responsible so i'm not gonna like pay you for that i'll but i'll help you out with the rent you know and i'm sorry that that i killed your wife and your kid but you know i'm I'm not res- I'm not I'm not financially responsible for that. And obviously, I don't you know, I don't really know how you sort of quantify financial responsibility for something like uh genocide, but people do get reparations and you know, after the Holocaust, I don't know the specifics, but I'm pretty sure that that people got I don't even want to go into that cuz I'm not actually sure, but I I'm but I uh, reparations are definitely a thing and somehow people quantify pain and suffering. So, uh and and also so i mean when in this vice documentary in this vice piece in the news they were talking about they said the i can't quite remember if they said the german population makes up 6% or if it's the white population that makes up 6% but it's either the white population or the german population makes up 6% it's a little more extreme if if it's the german population but if it's the white population it could be you know white businessmen who have moved there you know, years later for no reason and just have a lot of money. Like, you know, fucking Bill Gates could have gone to Namibia, bought most of Namibia, and then you'd be like, well, you know, (laughs) Bill Gates is the only white guy in the country, but he owns 40% of it. So uh, whites make up 0.0000001% and they own 40%. So, but anyway, what they were saying on Vice is 6% of the white population or the German population own 60% of the land in Namibia. I was like, oh, I was like, God damn. Because, I mean, I grew up in Ireland, uh, and my family still live in Ireland. A lot of my friends still live in Ireland. And I'm just, like, imagining if if 60% of Ireland, and, I mean, I'll put a big asterisk on this, because technically, fucking, (laughs) I fucking, there's, you know, they kind of own a quarter of Ireland anyway, Northern Ireland. But, like, if if to this day they still owned 60 if for somehow they owned 60% of the land if like 
you know, six out of every 10, you know, fields or areas in, in, in my, like where I grew up was owned by like some sort of like English baron type man or some shit like that. Like, I feel like that would be super fucking weird. And I mean, it's, it, it's even weirder when you're in Africa and these dudes are white, like, and it's black. I'm not saying that that's like really an issue, you know, I, but it, but we got, you got to admit that like, it's a lot easier to see the difference. I'm just imagining if that was the situation in Ireland, at least like from a distance, you could look at an English man and you'd be like, not quite sure. You know, he could be, he could be, he could be a Protestant. I don't know. Let's go and have a chat with him. Unless you're like walk around in like fucking tweed with a fucking top hat on. But, you know, you know, pawn rip, just looking at someone's skin that that does a lot. And that's why I think racism is so. I don't know if if. Yeah, because, I mean, we can all sound kind of the same, but you can't all kind of look the same. So that's always going to be something that just whenever for some reason we need to draw a line because, you know, there's not enough resources or, you know, some suffer some usually it's. I'm pretty sure, I don't know what other other than resources it could be. Uh, Maybe uh, spiritual beliefs. Maybe that's kind of a resource. But anyway, um, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy that, uh, that they went through all of this. And, and so the, like I said, you know, in some way or another, these guys are looking for reparations from the German government and the German government is like, yo, this is crazy. You know, you can't sue us for America. And I don't know. I mean, I, they, I don't know about law. I don't really have an opinion on whether they can sue them or not, but it's pretty fucking crazy. And I'm just more amazed that I had no idea about this. And, um, I want to just go through some of the other things. Cause they said something that I thought, you know, was kind of endearing, but, uh, I would just like to, uh, I'd like to put a asterisk on them because they were kind of, they weren't crazy, crazy. They were just saying that like, you know, we don't want you to, you know, we want you to kill the women and children, but we don't want you to like shoot them. So when we say shoot them, we mean, you know, shoot above their head. And he says, I need to find this quote. I need to find this quote because it's the best where he says that it's not, I mean, obviously it's not the best, but like, okay. So he gave, uh, here we go. So I read that thing where he said, I shall give them orders. I, I, gi- I shall give them the order to drive them away and fire on them. Such are my words to the Herrero people. He further gave orders that this procu- this proclamation is to be read to the troops at roll call with the addition that the unit catches a captain will o- uh, the unit that catches a captain will also receive the appropriate reward and that the shooting at women and children is to be understood as shooting above their heads so as to force them to run i assume absolutely that this is the proclamation will uh, sorry i assume absolutely that this proclamation will result in taking no more male prisoners but will not denigrate into atrocities against women and children the latter will run away if one shoots at them a couple of times the troops will remain conscious of the good reputation of the german soldier and that kind of shit is like just the epitome of human nature just to be saying crazy ass shit like that like all right buddy like listen to me get this get this in your fucking head right i don't want any i don't want anyone to be confused right i don't want you to be thinking oh i think he said he said shoot at the women and children does that mean shoot the women and children? i don't want you to be thinking any stupid shit like that when i say shoot at the women and children 
I mean shoot above the women and children until they run away. Of course, you feckin' idiots. I want you to do that, and I and I absolutely want no more male prisoners. Do you hear me? I don't want to see any of these fucking scum around, okay? Not a little fucking, not a shred. And those women and children better be running, all right? And, and I'm, I don't, I don't make me say it again. You will remain conscious of the good reputation of the German soldier. I'm like, dude, how can you be saying such wild shit? Be like, yo, we gotta fucking exterminate these dudes and make sure that you know. We're nice and uh, respectable. Like this is fucking crazy. I mean, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's it's so funny because we always talk about these things like, oh my god, how could they do this? This is crazy. But it's always with the through the lens of looking back, and we all we have all this information. And I've been raised in a world that's so peaceful and so interconnected, and there's so uh, you know globalism playing a huge role and everybody being a little more familiar and then all these different economic ties that bond us and communication and whatnot so it's it's a you know obviously this was a completely different world but just the craziest shit so this led to um concentration camps so a lot of these guys uh, not a lot sorry you know i think it was something like let's see 20 i think twenty thousand got chased into the desert and they kill they killed most of them or most of them died in the desert or were killed and a thousand roughly made it across into another country and were accepted by leader uh, leader of another tribe but the survivors of the massacre the majority of whom were women and children were eventually put in places like shark island concentration camp where the German authorities forced them to work as slave labor for the German military and settlers. Uh, all prisoners were categorized into groups fit and unfit for work, and pre-printed death certificates indicating death by exhaustion following privation were issued. The British government published their well-known account of the German genocide of the Nama people in 1918. So many Herero died of disease, exhaustion, and malnutrition. Estimates of the mortality rate in camps are between 45% and 74%. So, you know, when you're just looking through, well, I, I you know, it's weird for me because I'm, I'm reading through this, um, these different, the details of this, you know, food in the camps were extremely scarce, consisting of rice with no additions. They, uh, you know, shoot, shootings, hangings, beatings, and other harsh treatments of forced laborers, including the use of Schmajbox. I gotta check that out. Hopefully, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus. So the Schmajbox or a litupa is a heavy leather whip. It is traditionally made from an adult hippopotamus hide, but is also commonly made out of plastic. Wow. So that's some old school African shit. I'm like, let's, hey, go kill a fucking hippo, bro. Bring me back its tail. I'm gonna beat the shit out of some of these niggers. Uh, a on the tw so let's see. I mean, anyway. So as I was saying, like you know, this is crazy because this is so like I'm. I could if if I didn't know better. If you told if I if they renamed this page, like the the persecution of blacks in Poland, I would have been like, oh yeah, oh, this sounds exactly like Auschwitz. Because I just went to Krakow a couple like a month ago, and I went to Auschwitz with my parents, and we went on this tour, and. I mean, it was 
it was an incredible experience and i like highly recommend it to anyone who like who, who goes that goes out there or even just you know if you're in europe you know pop on over and, and and go and see that and go on a tour the day tour is really long and really slow and really crowded but it definitely does an incredible job of giving you an experience of what it feels like to be held against your will at a concentration camp so it was it was highly effective but uh it was incredible and obviously like it was you know a horrific horrific situation and you know some of the stuff in there and you know i do i do say this uh, <laughs> like I'm, i mean obviously like i hope it just goes without saying that like that you know you think it's terrible and like oh my god like it's horrific and it's just sometimes when you go on these tours or you go to these museums you just it, it's almost like they they you know they're trying to like convince you that it's that it's really bad and i'm like like trust me i get it and i was saying this to my to my ex and she said she was like yeah yeah i get it she's like it's like you know i was like you know when as soon as you told me that they're that they were rounding them up and taking them off to concentration camps you know but in in the tour the woman like ag they were agonizing all the details and like you know can you imagine what it was like to be you know in this trolley and the, the sun beating down and the heat and I guess, you know, that's part of the job and just like, you know, some people love this sort of dramatic effect. But my girl, my ex-girlfriend put it the best. She was like, yeah, I mean, like, as soon as I heard it, I was like, I get it. I mean, you had me at gas chambers. <laughs> and I was like, obviously, terrible thing to laugh at it. But I was like, that's that's so perfect. That epitomizes it so much. I'm like, trust me. I mean, I you don't need to go. I, I get it, bro. I mean, I don't need to see like a room full of like 10,000 like, like leather shoes or like a fucking... Uh, like this giant room just full of human hair i was like man you had me at gas chambers i'm on i'm on i'm with it bro like let's not do it again crazy shit but you know listening listening to all these details about this this uh the, the concentration camps and it's it's so, it's so similar to what happened and you know a lot of this stuff you know it says essentially that they were like a lot of this was the precursor to the concentration camps and the uh the extermination of the jews and there's so much of this is mirrored in this and it's absolutely crazy you know and it's just like you know there's one thing that is you know there's a particularly dark part of um the holocaust is that the uh, the medical experiments that uh, Joseph Mengele, this Nazi doctor, was doing on like, I think he I think he was the one who was experimenting on twins. I'm not sure if there was another doctor who like specialized in children, but this this guy was doing all these inc like crazy medical experiments. Uh, he would specifically request like twins to be separated, and he would do all these crazy tests to see if there was like you know special abilities and and they you know there's a lot of this stuff you know i'm just looking at this now essentially they were doing experiments on these guys in the in the in, a, in namibia so taking oh my god so wow and then they sent they were so they were harvesting body parts and they were you know using these african people to study the african diseases so oh my gosh and they shipped an estimated 300 skulls were sent to germany for experimentation 
in part from concentration camp prisoners. In, Octo- in October 2011, after three years of talks, the first 20 of an estimated 300 skulls stored in the Museum of Charité were returned to Namibia for burial. In 2014, 14 additional skulls were repatriated from by the University of Freiburg. Or Freiburg. Wow. That's fucking crazy, man. Oh, my God. Estimates of over 20,000 killed. Wow. So, this... This, uh, uh, there's a bit down at the end as well, just on the doctor's topic. So, links between the Herrero genocide and the Holocaust. The, um, there's some, there was something crazy here about Joseph Mengele. Yeah, okay, so, um, Eugene Fisher, uh, Eugene Fisher's medical experiments, he's the guy who was doing these tests in, uh, in, um, in these uh, concentration camps in Namibia. Sorry, I'm just going to have a drink. Um, he, let's see, it, can, it says his work can be seen as a testing ground for later medical procedures used during the Nazi Holocaust. Fischer later became Chancellor of the University of Berlin, where he taught medicine to Nazi physicians. Ottmar Freiherr von Verschur was a student of Fischer, Verschur himself had a prominent pupil, Joseph Mengele. So the dude taught a guy who taught Mengele. And I mean, I don't even know what this phrase says, but Franz Ritter Ritter von Epp, who was later responsible for the liquidation of virtually all Bavarian Jews in Roma, as governor of Bavaria, took part in the Herero genocide as well. I don't know how you liquidate a Jew. I don't know if I want to know. So, I mean, just absolutely insane. And, I mean, I just, you know, this is something, I mean, you can look this up. Uh, so, if you type in Namibia genocide, um, or you can search uh, Herero genocide, you know how Google works, I'm sure. If you don't, there's no way you found this podcast. Um, and, uh, I mean, this says that it was the first, it's estimated to be the first genocide, uh, estimated, sorry, it depends, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it sounds like a genocide to me, um, but people debate, I guess, but if, if it is a genocide, then this is the first genocide of the 20th century, and man, I mean, I don't know, I'm not sure when genocide started. But there's been a lot of genocide. So, let's see, there was a genocide in the 1750s, a genocide in the 1830s, a uh, Californian genocide in 1848, uh, Circassian genocide 1860, Nam genocide 1890, Greek uh, Herero and Namakea genocide 
1904-1907, Greek Genocide, 1914-1923, Assyrian Genocide, 1914-1925, Armenian Genocide, 1915-1923, Libyan Genocide, 1923-1932, Ethnic Cleansing in the Soviet Union from 1932-1933, Kazakhstan, Mass deportations, Chechens, Crimean Tatars in 1944. Oh my God, it just goes on and on and on. Then you get to the Holocaust. Then you get all through the Cold War, Bangladesh Genocide, 1971, Burundian Genocide, 1972 and 1993, East Timor, Cambodian, Guatemalan, Kurdish, uh, Isaac, Rwandan, Bosnian, Darfur. God damn it. Genocides by ISIS in 2014. You know, I was, uh, you know, it's not that I was ignorant of genocide. I don't know what's going on, but it's so, (sighs) it almost seems like that's more normal, you know? I, uh, as as someone born, I was born in 1994, so... I grew up in in Ireland, as I said, so we didn't really have the internet, like, as a useful thing that was integrated into our lives until I was, like, I'd say probably about 16, maybe, 15, 16. So I grew up without the internet, and then I have now really had my entire adult life with the internet. And... Also, I mean, uh, when I left, I left home in 2011 when I was 17, and that was when I started working, and that's like at the peak of the recession, pretty much, maybe not exactly, depending on where you are, but like pretty deep into the recession or just after the the tail end of the the deep end of the recession, and, uh, you know, things like you know, zero percent interest rate and the uh, government debt. These things are all just kind of like I don't want to say norms, but like I know no other world, and it's it's crazy because I, yeah, I mean it's yeah I you know I can educate myself and learn about all these things, but it's hard to really figure out what the world actually looks like because you know I think the the prevailing rhetoric of the day always kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, bias to it, and it just uh, changes your perspective on things, because it's such a, you know, it's it's multicultural, globalist world that I live in, especially me, Mr. Free Passports, you know, going, you know, traveling all these different countries, and, you know, I've been to a lot of these countries where there were genocides, and, uh, yeah, it's just crazy, and then me growing up as a as a black person, well, like, half black, but in Ireland, and just knowing no other life than being, like, one, well, I mean, one black guy. I mean, I had my two brothers. My older brother had left by the time. He went to university when I was nine, so it was just me and Kian in school. And then there were some other, a few other kids I joined later on who were colored and stuff, but it's weird. Uh, just, yeah, such a... It was totally normal for me, and then, you know, you go, you're watching on the news, all these crazy, like, whatever, fucking, whether it's the marches in Charlottesville, or these police shootings, and you're like, damn, you know, I like white people, 
I hope you all like me. Anyway, um, I think I'll wrap that up. Uh, you know, it's I. You know, I don't want to just sit here and and read off uh, a bunch of quotes off of uh, Wikipedia. And I'm definitely, you know, I've had enough genocide uh, education to not want to immerse myself in more genocide. But uh, I just thought that was crazy. And if anyone didn't know that, I mean, <laughs> I got you just got to give it up for Germans. Like, I had to look it up earlier. I was like, man, you know, I wonder if I'm surprised that Germans don't have like a phrase. Maybe they are. Maybe anyone, you know, um, maybe Maddie, if you, if you hear this, you could uh, contact me and, and let me know if you guys have like a good a good phrase for dry snitching. Like, I don't know if you know what dry snitching is, but dry snitching is where you, like, fucking rat on yourself, but, like, not on purpose. Like, you don't go to the police and confess, but you, like, you know, you're boasting in, like, a rap song, or you're, like, posting some shit on Instagram, like, yeah, motherfucker, like, yeah, I just got 50 Gs from fucking, you know, selling this crack on these streets, and then the fucking police, like, see it, and then they're like, right, well, this motherfucker's a drug dealer, so I just had to look it up, because I was like, Germans, I translated it, and I think maybe, like, Trocken auspacken might be uh might be dry snitching in German because these fools fucking like they're the worst for fucking just tying themselves up like they're all like yes we're very proud Germans we're fucking uh we've got the best exterminating yeah you were going to we're gonna take hey, it's so good we're gonna take a note take note boys we're gonna we're gonna document this we let everybody know so good and they just fuck themselves because then it's like that's the same shit with the like Nuremberg trials where they were like. Well, <laughs> we got, you know, got a fuckload of documentation. It's not like we're just trying to figure out what happened. You guys fucking, like, wrote the book on what you fucking did. And it's the same shit with this. All these proclamations and all these fucking, like, first-hand accounts. And, like, even then the German government being like, yeah, bro, we did it. Yeah, we fucked them. We fucked them up, bro. I ain't paying you shit, though. Don't even fucking trip, bro. But anyway, I just thought I just wanted to to share that and just you know. But I like you know, you know I love I ain't got no problem with Germany whatsoever. I uh, I just think it's just it's so funny. <laughs> Not funny, obviously genocide isn't funny. No laughing matter. But yeah. Anyway, uh, hey, if there's any audio problems, uh, please let me know. I hope the I hope the background noise is quiet. It's in the room, so everything hopefully everything's all right. Um, but if there's any issues, please hit me up. Anybody wants to contact me with anything interesting, any questions, any complaints, or just want to, like, harass me. So I'm lonely, too. So, you know, you could reach out. Uh, you can contact me at irishrastaproductions uh, at gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, hit me up on Instagram or follow me on Instagram at the Irish Rasta. Uh, but, yeah, um, thank you for listening. And uh, I hope, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think. If you've made it this far, I'll give you a little bonus clip. I was uh, I was trying to set my podcast uh, recording up earlier, and I was like, "Oh, I'll do it like a real professional. I'll uh, I'll put the headphones on and I'll uh, enable uh, uh, playback, so I'll I'll listen to my voice while I'm uh, while I'm uh, recording this, so I will be able to uh, check if there's any problems with the audio. And I don't know if there's just something wrong with my computer or if I'm just retarded, but. It was pretty funny, and it just threw me right the fuck off. So I just had to, uh, I had to stop that straight away. So I'll throw that in the end, and you can just hear how how retarded I sounded there. But yeah, uh, lots of love to you all. 
Enjoy your day wherever you may be. Peace. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> nah, this is fucking weird. You gotta talk with the microphone in your media. How do they do this on podcasts? I guess you just get used to listening <laughs> to your own voice. Hmm. I don't like it. It's like a copycat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, it feels like I got my mushrooms. <laughs>